We're going to be in Acts chapter 28 today. And uh, just to give you the backdrop of this, Paul has just been arrested for preaching the gospel. He's being transported in a ship with all of the other prisoners. And as they're being transported, a huge storm called the Northeaster hits this ship and they are lost at sea for 14 days. This man spends a full quarantine period lost at sea. Like we thought our quarantine was bad. We were like, oh, this is so terrible. Binge watching Netflix and eating takeout Chick-fil-A and going for walks in the afternoon. Like this dude spends 14 days just... Help! Like he's just like, he's, this is not a good situation for Paul. This is not a convenient moment. This does not look like blessing. This does not look like reigning in Christ. It does not look like convenience. It, it looks like 2020. And, and Paul, finally, after 14 days of spinning connected to this piece of a broken ship, lands at this island called Malta, And that's where we'll pick up our text today. Acts chapter 28 verse 1 says, After we were brought safely through, how many of you know he's going to bring us through? We learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness. And they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. As if the shipwreck wasn't bad enough, the weather was also terrible. When, When Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. People be making assumptions. The funny thing is, Paul was a murderer, but he was not anymore. And oftentimes people will judge you by who you were before you met Jesus. And you need to understand that you've got a new identity in Christ Jesus. They said, no doubt this man is a murderer. It's not time to preach. It's time to read the word. Come on. Those who escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw he was still standing, when they waited a long time and saw that Paul would not fall over and play dead, when they waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. I'm about to show you through these scriptures these next few moments that breakdowns can actually be beautiful. That shipwrecks lead to revivals. He turns tragedies into triumphs and obstacles into opportunities and all sorts of other one-liners. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Do you know that God specializes in this type of stuff? He always, always takes what the enemy intends for evil and turns it into something good. Think about the crucifixion. He took something ugly like the crucifixion and with that brought salvation to all of humanity. It was in the breakdown of the fish and the loaves that he fed 5,000 people. It was in the broken pieces that he fed people. It's in obstacles and destruction and devastation and chaos and global pandemics that he will flip the narrative. He's the type of God that just loves to wait until there's a tension moment. And he can flip the narrative and cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I'm preaching this morning on the beauty of breaking down. People say it's darker than it's ever been. And when I hear darker than it's ever been, I hear opportunity to shine bright. I'm reminded of a time I was in a baseball stadium. It was 4th of July. The fireworks were about to go off. And they made a brilliant move. Before the fireworks started, they turned off all of the lights. 
because they understood that light shines best when it's darkest. And this year, 2020, the lights have been turned real low. And I'm saying, what a beautiful opportunity for you and for me to shine like we've never shined. To be bright like we've never been bright. And so I want to talk just for a few minutes on the beauty of breaking down. And Paul's on this island called Malta. The first thing we're going to look at is in verse 3. We see Paul, he's shipwrecked, and he begins to gather sticks to throw onto a fire. Quick question for you. Where did Paul get the sticks? And this is not a trick question, even though preachers are infamous for trick questions. Like, for like, we got to stop doing that. Where, Paul got the sticks from the island that he was shipwrecked onto, which seems like an obvious, pointless observation, but I think it's powerful because it's an indication that the fuel to your fire is found in the middle of the shipwreck season that you're currently in. The fuel to your fire, when I say fire, I mean passion. The fuel to your passion for God. The fuel to your hunger for God. The fuel to your longing for God. Did you know that we are not called to look like everybody else in the world? We're called to look like burning men and women for Jesus. The fuel to that fire is not found in a future, better, brighter season. It's found right here in the middle of where we're at. No matter what you're going through, 2020's trials have looked different for everybody, and maybe it just hasn't just been 2020 that's been difficult for you. But here's what I know, and here's the first point that I want to bring to you. Number one, the breakdown is where I find my fuel. The breakdown is where I find my fuel. Early in this year, 2020, we lost one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game, Kobe Bryant. Uh, and it was a tragedy. I was listening to this interview with Kobe. And uh, my three-year-old son, every time he shoots up basketball on his little tyke's hoop, he's like, Kobe. And I'm just like so proud. <laughs> and uh, I was listening to this interview with Kobe Bryant. And he was talking about his first year in the league. He was 18 years old. He was a young man. And the rest of his teammates, as they would travel city to city, they would go out to bars, they'd go to clubs, they'd do all these things that Kobe legally was unable to join them on. So he said, it was a really tough time for me because I spent so much of my time alone in hotel rooms. He said, but... He made this subtle shift. Kobe was shifty. He made this subtle shift, and, 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 he, and he said, but when they were out at the clubs and when they were out the bars, you know what I was doing? I was studying the game. I was working on my footwork. I was working on my handles. I was working on my jump shot. When they were out partying, I was perfecting what I was supposed to do. And then he said something that blew my mind. He said, I don't know if I would have won the rings that I won had it not been for that moment. I don't know if I would have had the success that I had if it was not for this time when I was alone. If Kobe was preaching, he might say something along the lines of, it was hard, but it was necessary. It, it was ugly, but it actually set me up for future victory. 2020 has been difficult, but who knows what victories, what rings, what championships are going to come as a result of this. It was a breakdown, but it was in the middle of my breakdown that I found fuel. It's in the breakdown that we find our fuel. What would happen if somehow we were able to extract Paul from the narrative and place you there? How would the story have been different? I don't know about you, but in my shipwreck seasons, my favorite thing to do is pray and, no, I like to pout. <laughs> I like to sit on the shore and complain. That's my favorite thing to do. Just something feels good about it sometimes, you know what I mean? 
Or you know what we do? We say, God, as soon as you get me off of this island called 2020, then I'll worship you. As, as soon as my husband stops, like gets his stuff together, as soon as my wife stops acting crazy, all the husbands like a single bead of sweat, just like, like don't respond, don't respond, don't respond. As soon as I'm no longer lonely, as soon as money is where I want it to be, as soon as you dot my I's and cross my T's and check my lists and answer my prayers, then I'll, I'll serve you and I'll love you and I'll, I'll work on this fire. But I'm telling you, you and I will live defeated lives until we look at the pieces of our shipwreck and say, look at all this fuel. There's two types of people that step onto the island. One person that looks and sees all the sticks and says, what a mess. And then Paul who says, look at all this fuel. This is the place where I find my fuel. So instead of getting frustrated and bitter and angry over the tragedy of 2020, instead of getting upset and giving up and throwing in the towel, what if we begin to gather fuel? What does that look like? It looks like, God, I know that this year has been difficult, but it was in this difficulty that I realized that you're still faithful. I know that that friend walked out, but when they walked out, I was reminded of your word that you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I know that that person walked out on me, but you'll never leave me or forsake me. And all of a sudden, the thing that's supposed to break me becomes fuel for my fire. I, I take this, this resistance and I'm able to examine the island and say there's actually fuel all over the place. There's something about trouble that gives you access to fire that you did not previously have. There's something about trouble that gives you access to revelation that you did not previously have. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're thrown into a furnace and what do they learn? He's the fourth man in my fire. When did they learn that? When they were thrown into the fire. I think Daniel would thank God for the lion's den because he learned that our God shuts the mouths of lions. I think, and Jesus even says this about Lazarus. He says, I'm glad that I didn't make it in time because if I would have showed up when he was sick and healed him, you would only know me as healer. But because I showed up after he's dead, now you know me as the resurrection and the life. There's something about trouble that causes me to see him in a new light and it's fuel to my fire. It's fuel to my fire. If you never got sick, how would you know him as healer? If you never had a chain, how would you know him as deliverer? And there's something about your story that teaches you about the goodness of God. It's fuel. It's fuel. It's fuel. Begin to gather. Did you know there's fuel in every season? Did you know God will never put you on an island that does not have fuel? And you have the opportunity in every season to gather. And when you begin to gather like this, the thing that was supposed to break you becomes a foundation. <laughs> The thing that was supposed to be the reason why you walked out on Jesus, walked out on loving people, walked out on serving, walked out on your calling, walked out on family, you fill in the blank, I don't know what it is for you, but all of a sudden, the thing that was supposed to break you now has caused you to burn hotter than you've ever burned. This is the place where I found my fuel, and this perspective will make you dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Did you know that? I get frustrated sometimes. You read the book of James. He's like, count it all joy, brethren. When you go through various trialists. 
That's not what he says. King James sounds better. And he's like, I'm reading this, and James is like, count it all joy. And I'm like, no. No. But this is how we have the ability to step into this world. We're like, I actually can look at this island and label it with joy. And I actually can share in the words of Paul when he said, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Persecuted, not abandoned, perplexed, but not dismayed. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I promise you, if you begin to find fuel in every season, the enemy can't stop you. This is the place where I find my fuel. What if we just confuse the heck out of the enemy and begin to thank him for the island? Thank you for the pain because it's in pain that I remember purpose. Thank you for the chaos because it's in chaos that I remember this world desperately needs people who are called. Thank you for the destruction. It's in destruction that I learned destiny. Thank you for the weakness because it's in my weakness your strength is made perfect. Thank you for the darkness because I'm a firework. This is the place where I find my fuel. So Paul gets these sticks. He starts building this fire and Paul's got all this positive momentum. He's like, I know I've been shipwrecked. Went through a storm. Got arrested. That was bad. Um... Lost at sea for 14 days, and now here I'm at, I am at the island. I might as well make the best of it. Things can't get much worse, right? To which the narrator was like, little did he know it could get much, much worse. Paul throws these sticks on the fire, and as he's throwing the sticks on the fire, a viper comes out and bites his hand. Poor Paul. This has been a bad couple of weeks for this guy. What do you do when you make the right decisions? Like, he's like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to build my fire. And then the snake bites you. It gets worse. (laughs) Like, have you ever made the decision to be the only positive, happy person in a house full of grumpy people? (laughs) Again, the beat of sweat is back. (laughs) Like, everyone's just walking around grumbling. It's it's always like one day on vacation. Like, I don't want to go to restaurants. Seafood's gross. I don't want to. And you're like, and like, I'm always the obnoxiously, sometimes passive aggressive, positive person. I'm like, nope, today's the day the Lord's made. <laughs> Smile, rejoice, be glad in it. But then the negativity of the people around you slowly sucks the life out of your soul. And I'm trying to be positive, but slowly people get more and more and more and more frustrated. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) Forget it. (laughs) Today's terrible. You guys win. And this is like what Paul's, Paul's in this situation where like he's, he, he's like, I've made all the right choices and all of a sudden things start to get worse. Have you ever felt like that in your life? You're like, man, I've been living with integrity and holiness. I don't have secret sin and, and, and I'm, I'm pursuing God. I'm tithing. I'm doing, every, I th- I'm doing everything I know how to do. Why is it getting worse? This brings you to another crossroads where you've got to decide, am I going to quit in this season, wave my white flag, surrender and give up or... Am I going to find my fight? And this is the second thought I want to pull out of this. It's where I find my fuel, but number two, it's in the shipwreck season. That's where I find my fight. If you're going to make it in this season, you're going to have to find some fight. You, you cannot coast your way into victory. 
You cannot put the car in neutral and coast your way into a victorious life. And I think one of the reasons why quitting is so easy in this season is because we oftentimes blame God when we get bit. Or maybe we blame a church or maybe we blame a sibling or a pastor or a denomination or a past experience. But oftentimes we blame the God that loves us rather than the snake that bit us. But I love what Paul did. Paul got bit by the snake and he did not look up at God and say, God, really? I'm here because of you. God, really? I've been serving you. No, Paul doesn't do any of that. He just shakes the snake off into the fire. What did Paul do? He made the snake pay for what the snake did. What would happen if you and I Instead of blaming people around us, what would happen if you and I started making the enemy pay for what the enemy does? John 10.10 says, come on, John 10.10 says this, it's the enemy that steals and kills and destroys. It's our God that brings life and life more abundantly. So why, when we see kill, steal, and destroy, do we blame the one that brings life? My vote is we make the enemy pay for 2020. 1 Peter 5, 8, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy has come in this year and he's been eating. (laughs) And he's trying to dine and dash. Trying to get out without paying the bill. And I'm like, hey, no, you got to pay the bill. We got to make somebody pay for 2020. We're not going to make God pay for 2020. Not going to make the church pay for 2020. It's the enemy that's going to pay for 2020. We just made him pay. Just, you fasten yourself to my hand. You touch my family. You touch my friends. You touch my finances. You touch my peace. Put your hands on my joy. You put your hands on my calling. And now, because you've attached yourself to me, you're going to get burned. Because you, like, see, this viper realized soon after it bit Paul that it had bit the wrong person. I imagine when he got to, like, up here, the viper was like, oh, no. <laughs> He soon learned that he had bit the wrong person. The enemy's about to learn that he is messed with the wrong people. And he's messed with the wrong church. Why? Because we're about to make the devil pay like never before. Huh? We're about to reach people like never before. This is not semantics. I, feel the, I just feel like this prophetic unction. I, in Allen and Wiley and Prosper and Frisco, I am, when I was praying for this, I heard Holy Spirit say, the state cannot contain what God is going to do through your life and through this church. Why? Because we're going to make the snake pay for what the snake did. Today's the day we shake the snake off. Today's the day we begin to live in victory. Did you know that is in resistance that breakthrough is close? It's it's when the resistance is the greatest that breakthrough is close. Right before my wife was about to give birth to uh, our son, right before we saw him, it was right before we see the baby that the pain is at the greatest for my hand. It was just so gripped it so hard she recovered fine but I'm guys I'm struggling I gotta be honest with you just vulnerable on the stage (laughs) it was right before we saw the baby that the pain was the greatest could it be that the pain in your life is an indication you're about to give birth to something new 
When, when an airplane is on the runway and it starts to pick up speed, did you know it's the resistance of the wind that actually causes it to go to another level? The only reason why the enemy bit Paul in this moment was because he realized this fire is about to grow. I'm telling you, the only reason why the enemy has resisted you the way that he has, and you've had the troubles that you've had and the trials that you've had, the reason why you've gone through the hell that you've gone through is not an indication that you're a failure or you should just give up. It's an indication that he's more nervous than he's ever been about where your fire is at. This is the place where I find my fuel. This is the place where I find my fight. And did you know that like, this is not new for the devil? He's been doing this from the beginning. Take you back all the way to the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve are working on their fire. They're walking with the Lord daily. They're spending time with him. Their fire is growing and the enemy shows up, coincidentally in the form of a snake. Attaches himself to them. And instead of shaking the snake off into the fire, they concede to what he wanted to do and they made the decision in Genesis chapter three to sin, to eat the fruit. I think when they took that bite out of that fruit, it was a sound that all of heaven heard. And when they made the decision to sin, there was separation between God and man, not just Adam and Eve, but all of humanity was separated from God. And so in order to undo what Adam and Eve did, Jesus, in order to undo what Adam and Eve did, Jesus comes down from heaven to earth and he lives 33 and a half years sinlessly on this world, fully God, fully man, walking on the dust that he created, looking into the eyes of people that he designed. He's, he spends his whole entire existence, 33 years on this earth, living sinless. And because he was sinless, he was a pure sacrifice. And when it came time for him to be arrested, he was beaten till no longer recognizable as a man. They erected him on a cross. And when he was on the cross, he said the words, it is finished. Here's what I meant by that. I'm paying for your sin, Adam's sin, Eve's sin. I'm undoing what they did. I'm destroying the separation between God and man. They laid him in a grave. And on the third day, we know the end of the story. He rises from the dead. And listen, the moment he stepped out of the grave... He was empowering me and you to do exactly what Paul did. Shake yourself free from the snake. Did you know you don't have to live connected to the snake your whole life? You don't have to live bound. You don't have to live broken. You don't have to. See, you can't control whether the fact that you got bit or not, but you do control what you do with the snake. People get bit and they make it their excuse. People get bit, bit and they allow the snake to hang and say, this is my new companion. This is my new reason for why I function the way that I function. But Paul said, I'm not going to play that game. I'm shaking the snake into the fire. It's in resistance. I've had to find fuel this year. I've had to find a fight this year. Anybody else? I, I've, I've had to find something in and the reality is the only reason why we can find fuel, the only reason why we can find our fight is because Jesus did what he did. I want you to know that we're not the heroes of this story. He is. This is not some like, come on, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get up, you can do it. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I do what we do. Early this year, just three months ago, actually, my... Um, my son was born, and I shared this story with the students, and 
Uh, pastors have referenced it on stage a few times, but I just want to share this story with you because maybe you're like hearing this 26-year-old punk preach about trials. <laughs> you're like, you ever heard, like had someone give you advice and they're talking to you about your trials? And you're just like, come on, just like keep on going. God's good. And you're like, have you ever gone through anything? Because if not, you can just like stop, stop talking. That'd be great. My wife was about to give birth to our second son. His name is Carter. And um, the moment when he was born, the first moment that I laid eyes on him, I knew that I was supposed to hear crying when he came out, but I did not hear anything. That's concerning. I knew that his skin tone was supposed to look like mine, but he looked completely purple. I knew that the umbilical cord was not supposed to be wrapped around his neck twice, but it was. And I saw the doctor unwrap the umbilical cord. They pick up my son, and he just flops backwards. He's not breathing, does not have a heartbeat. They have a scale from one to five where they measure the, the health of babies. They, they put him at a zero, Nurses flood into the room. My wife is laying next to me saying, is he okay? Is he all right? Is he okay? And I've got a decision to make. Do I give in to the paralyzing fear that I feel or do I find my fight? Snake reaches up and attaches himself to my hand and I've got a decision to make. And so I begin to pace the room. I begin to pray. And uh, this was not like, you know, when you're in public and you got to kind of pray conservatively. And so then like, like I went in, like I was, I remember a specific moment where I literally looked, I was praying and I looked at a nurse. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm Pentecostal. But then I just like kept on, <laughs> kept on going. And she was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm praying God bring Carter to life. I'm, I'm bringing, I'm praying God, I, no, I'm not praying God, please just get me through this. I'm praying God, we remove ourselves from the one who kills and steals and destroys. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and it seems like an eternity, but a few minutes after I pray, I feel the presence of God come into the room and the doctor walks over and says, we've got a heartbeat. I'm, it feels weird to say, but I'm just, I'm done believing that God raises the dead and then when he raises the dead kind of like backtracking on it I'm telling you God took my son that was stillborn and dead and brought him back to life I knew conceptually I like I knew conceptually that God could do anything and I and I knew theologically that God could do anything but when you walk through something it gives you revelation of who God is. And now I know there's no mountain he can't move. There's no sickness he can't heal. Come on, I don't know what you're going through today, but there's no chain he can't break. There's no storm he can't speak peace to. There's no Lazarus he can't raise up. No sea he can't split. There's no giant that can't be slain. I'm telling you, our God is the same yesterday. Today. And forever, and we've got a decision to make. Do I lean into that reality or do I lean into what the news is saying? Do I lean into that reality or do I, do I lean into what I'm seeing in the world? It's darker than it's ever been. Oh, let your light so shine. 
It's darker than it's ever been. I don't know what you're going through. It may not just be a furlough. It may not just be a job loss. We're talking about things that have happened in your past. Abuse that has happened in your, pa- your past. People who are verbally abusive to you, physically abusive to you. Things that have, you can, the divorce that happened, the person that walked out, the person, why did it happen? Could it be? God does not cause the valley but he'll use the valley. And could it be that everything that has happened to this point, God has said, those were not wasted years. In fact, this is not a wasted year. This is a year that I intend to redeem. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2, he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten, the years that the enemy has tried to steal from you. He is recovering. He is restoring. He is he's saying, you're going to find fuel in this season. I want to illustrate it to you this way. If you could bring out that illustration Paul finds his fuel Paul finds his fight in the middle of a very devastating moment that's great for Paul but what about me I just want you to know that the chaos that has been 2020 the brokenness the pain the difficulty it's not gonna break you when someone's lifting weights if they're, if they're lifting a considerable, a considerable amount of weight and they were to place that weight on their ribs, it would crack their ribs. But when they lift it, it builds them. See, pressure, resistance, when it is placed in the right place, actually builds you and does not break you. I'm going to illustrate this to you. When I hit this drum, <laughs> wake up, hello, <laughs> you're in church. When this drum experiences resistance, when this drum experiences, we could call it pain, when this drum gets bit by the enemy, you know what this drum does? It declares its purpose. If I were to apply the same force to glass, if I were to apply the same force to my iPad, it would, glass would shatter, but when I apply this force to a drum, it does what it was created to do. I got a simple prophetic word for you today. You're not made of glass. You're a drum. You're not made of glass. You're not going to shatter when you get hit. You're not going to break when you get hit. You're not going to roll over and play dead when you get hit. But the louder and the harder you get hit, the louder you declare your purpose, the harder the enemy comes against you. You just say, you come to me with pain. I will turn up my praise. You come to me with resistance. I'll find fuel. You'll come to me with difficult situations, hell or high water. If you hit me, I will release a sound, not a frustration but a praise. 